0: ago and nervous so this is (laughs) Uh, yeah but we have a great topic so this is one of my biggest pet peeves of all time I'll do this so I know no one else touched down here Uh, I was afraid to do this so usually when a pastor comes and they start talking about why they picked a certain text has ever happened to you Someone gets up and they talk for like five minutes about why they were here, and then they're looking in their study, and then they looked at the waters, and then they chose this. Uh, that's my biggest pet peeve of all time, and I, I can't stand it, and I hear a lot of guys talk, and I, so I'm going to do that to you for one time only ever. So this is the story on it. I was kind of excited to get back, and I thought, what should we talk about? So for months, I've been kind of brainstorming, and we had uncertainty during the kind of the, the um, quarantine, and I thought we should talk about what is essential, this is, this will be good, right? This is, what is absolutely essential, and how does this affect your family, and what has this done to recognize kind of essential things, like with our money, what's it done with our family, with our job, our spirituality, and I think there is a whole lot to, a lot of that. So, I guess this is kind of changing our mindset. I was really excited about it, and then, of course, racial injustice is, like, the forefront this whole week, and I thought, man, maybe I should Talk on race, and I actually talked to some of my friends. I'm in a group cycling ride. I said, "Hey, do you think?" You know, I'm kind of kicking around talking about like race and injustice and civility, and neither one took the bait. They, neither one said, "You know what? That's a great idea." They but wow, that was the extent of the encouragement I got. I thought, okay, maybe maybe I shouldn't do this, and then I thought, no, this is really essential. A church, uh, someone said it this way: it's good to have some kind of dialogue to be able to talk with your kids. And just to say from this is not going to be perfect at any level but it would be good to have some kind of dialogue to talk from a biblical perspective what does the bible say about like race and what does that look like and what does it say about injustice and things like that so i was all ready to do it and then did anyone read uh drew Brees' article this is a big deal so i was all ready i thought okay i think i can handle talking on race and researching and doing all kinds of things Talking to my friends who are minorities and my friends who aren't minorities my friends who actually follow politics and say, okay, what, what am I getting into? And here's Drew Brees' comment. I will never agree with anybody disrespecting the flag of the United States of America. So they asked if he would kneel, I think, was the question during football, if the NFL gets back again. Uh, Brees said, and Brees is a guy I kind of look up to. He played a similar position in football and he went to Purdue where my brother went. So let me just tell you that uh, when I see and feel uh, the national anthem is played, and when I look at the flag of the United States, I envision my two grandfathers who fought for this country during World War II, one in the Army and one in the Marine Corps, both are risking their lives to protect our country and to try and make our country and this world a better place. That blew up, if you didn't follow that at all, and that made me very, very nervous because I'm like, what can you actually say? And I, as I understood what Drew was saying is there's two different things here. He sees one supporting uh, I- racial injustice, saying uh, that's not okay. And then the other is saying, I still also have a certain manner in which I handle and respect the flag. That's how he sees it. And I thought uh, that, that seems pretty straightforward to me. And so I actually started reaching out to my friend who's black. I'm like, what is the story here? And he explained it in a long conversation. This is about a 45-minute talk, which I'm not going to get into today. It's actually going to be next week. So is that fair? See, so how about that? They're like, they don't know what they're doing with technology, but maybe you can preach. Um, so, I, so I wasn't going to touch any of it, to be honest. I saw this Drew Brees thing. I'm like, I am not getting near that because I basically, as a, we live in a privileged area, if you look around where the top 10 richest county in the United States. We're 98% white, and I'm a white, if you didn't know that, I'm white. And as a pastor, it's like, what are you going to say? And I get ready, and it's Trinity Sunday, and I thought, all right, I'm not going to touch it. I'm going to just do something easier. As I said to someone, it's just way easier to preach about Jesus healing a blind man than it is to preach about race. So I'm I'm all content to do that. I open it up, and a section that is the, the section that Martin Luther King Jr. would look at and the basis of all his arguments come down to Genesis chapter one. And I thought, okay, maybe this is divine intervention and it's worth a discussion. So the, first off, I'm gonna do my very best to kind of talk from a biblical point of view, where, where, like kind of the history of race and where this comes from and why in his argument, he has a biblical argument that most ideologies couldn't do This is not going to be perfect. I don't expect you to leave here and go, that's the greatest sermon I've ever heard on race, but I'm guessing it might be the only sermon you've ever heard on race. Fair? So the section that we're going to look at is just one. Of course, this isn't going to work. Why would it work? (laughs) Did you do that or did I do that? (laughs) If I'm not crawled up like a little ball crying by the end, this is... Technology in Latin means humiliator. That's what it means. Um, Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God. He created them, male and female. He created them. Of course, it worked for me. this is a key, key section, so there's a few things that we're going to hit, three main points that we talk when we talk about human beings. As a human being, the biggest thing is when we talk about the triune God, God the Father created us, God the Son redeemed us, and God the Holy Spirit is the one who works in our hearts. So you are a created being. That is essential. So we look around, every single person did just kind of happenstance, but you are created and formed and knit together in your mother's womb. This is, this is a key, key thing. Key point two is that you're created in God's image. Now, when you think about God's image, that is uh, something that the reptiles don't have. It's not something the birds have. It's not something your dog has, even if you love it. And you, and for sure, cats. Like, that you are not, what does it mean to be made in God's image? So there's a lot of ideas that go along with this. And in your mind, when you think, like, what does it mean to be made in God's image? Well, some people have said, well, it that means our, that's our intellect, and that's, the, that's our ability to figure things out. And some people have said it's a reason, and some things... But we're going to go on a little bit of lesson um, when we talk about this. Chapter, uh, chapter 5 of Genesis talks about Adam having his own child. So Adam and Eve are created in God's image, which means it's perfect. And then when we look in heaven, we're going to be in God's image, which means we're going to be perfect. And in between, some stuff happens. And the first one, this isn't working for me now, if you can hit it. Uh, when Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. This is a key thing. So what has happened, if you know theology and if you know the Bible at all, don't feel bad if you don't know the section, but what has happened between Genesis 1 and Genesis chapter 5? Adam and Eve fall into sin in Genesis chapter 3. So in between, so we're made in God's image, and then when Adam and Eve have a child named Seth, this is not Cain and Abel, it says it's in your own image. So that means something is lost. And so Lutheran theologians in general, so if you just read like catechism, the standard answer is the image of God is perfection. This is where it gets a little bit confusing. So if you go to the next slide. By the way, that was not our musicians before. They wouldn't let us click the button. Is that what's happening right now, Petra? All right, we're going to imagine. In the book of Colossians, it talks about being renewed in the image of God. So does that make sense? If the image of God is perfection, it is lost, and be renewed in, it means like you're trying to like fix it up and it's not quite there yet. If it's actually perfection, when God sees you, does he see like a work in progress or does God see someone who's completely redeemed and that Christ has paid for? And God, when God looks at you through Christ, does he see perfection or does he see someone who's someday they'll get there? Biblically, the answer is when God sees you, He sees someone who is redeemed and completely forgiven and is accepted. So does it make sense that we're, we had lost the image of God. I know this is getting a little confusing. And it's something that we're kind of working on. Not quite. So the best way to describe it, I think, the best way that I've heard it described, when you think about the image of God, and we changed the wording a little bit, and I think it'll help. That if we say you are made to be an imager of God, a reflection of God, I think it makes some sense. So have you ever gone to like a parking garage and they have like the angled mirrors? Usually they're round, but uh, have you ever seen like an angled mirror? So normally when you look in a mirror, this is not rocket science here. Normally when you look in a mirror, you see yourself, right? And hopefully no one likes just standing right behind you, right? That would be bad. But normally you just look in the mirror and you're like, hey, that's what I look like. But if I angle the mirror, so I'm going to imagine this. We could look at each other if we put it at the right angle right and you could see me and I could see you but we're not looking at ourselves when God is in heaven and he said here is the great distinct privilege that I'm going to give to human beings you are going to be the reflection of me so when we move and we act and we demonstrate things this is a demonstration of who God really is so just imagine what this would look like so God is here and I'm functioning you can't see God right If you've got kids, you've got kids, some of you, and you've got grandkids, or you've got nieces and nephews. When they look at you, do they see how God functions? That would mean you're an imager of God. You don't look at like a snake and say, oh, that's how God functions. That's not how you see it. When you look at human beings and you see how a human being loves, it should be a reflection of how God would love, without bias or prejudice or completely, right, and wholly. And you see this kind of love that God has. He said, I'm willing to give up my whole life for you. So this is when God sees justice, for example, when God sees you function and or honesty, when when people look at you, they should say, that's really how God would function. Now we don't have the great privilege of living during the time of Jesus, but right then Jesus really was a mirror of God on earth. He is God. So when they would see Jesus function, they got to see firsthand the only human since Adam and Eve to be perfect. So really what are that is a perfect reflection of how God functions. And so how does Jesus function? Jesus shows complete love and kindness. Jesus shows uh, righteous anger when people are going against God's will. Jesus shows an acceptance of people. Like, just think about the people he walked with and the, the areas he went, like hung out with prostitutes. And you go, how, that's unbelievable. But that's how God would do it. As a pastor now, that would be hard to do. If we had a brothel in town and the pastor, and you just said, where's my pastor? Oh, he hangs out at the brothel just to meet people like that that's not something I can normally do but Jesus did that or you think about the Samaritans this was kind of a mixed breed of people where does Jesus go he goes right into their world and he talks to them so what is the Bible talking about when it says the image of God not only is this a great privilege to be an image of God but over time through the Holy Spirit we're trying to be closer and closer and closer to be a reflection of who Jesus is so does it make sense the New Testament when it says renew yourself put on the uh, the image of God clothe yourself with Christ it's saying look more and more and more like Christ makes sense so not only are you created not only are you in the image of God which is great great privilege but God has worked into his creation a uniqueness and you see that right in those first verses the first verse is God made them male and female doesn't seem like a big deal and usually you're thinking sexuality and things like this but what are we talking about that God When he made you, made you unique and distinct. We're not all the same. We're not all like Lego figures that all are exact height, weight, and look. And when you get down to it, like they say that about fingerprints, your fingerprints are different. I was reading some more, your voice, the way that your voice functions. No one has that, apparently. I don't know who has that job. The outside of your ear, right? So maybe that could be a thing. Crime scene, they find like an ear print and they could do it because no one has your exact outside of your ear apparently so i don't know i don't know if they get down to like the nanometer or something like that to figure out the differences when you got seven billion people but that they say that you are distinct that you're made a certain way and when god says i made you a distinct way for a purpose and what is your purpose your purpose is to have a relationship with god that is every human being to the extent that when we broke this reflection of what we look like, when we brought sin in the world, God says, I have to make it right. And so Jesus walks on the earth and Jesus in in an unjust circumstance, right? And Jesus is in a sense, almost lynched by this crowd of people. For what reason? So that God could say that I forgive your sins because I want you to have a relationship with me. I want you to have this beautiful relationship with me forever. And so that means every single human being on the whole planet is incalculably valuable. Like you, you can't add up the value of a human being. And this is a unique thing. So if you look at ideologies across the world, this is very, very rare. And Christianity might be the only one that says every single person is of equal value. Every single person I- is worth something. And we talked about that in the sanctity of life. And Christians are against injustice. That doesn't just mean race is recovering it now but it does mean like, are we for or against abortion? We'd say we're against that because this is this person who's marginalized, who can't defend themselves. We say that's not right. Are we for or against sex trafficking? I'm just watching the documentary on uh, Jeffrey Epstein. It just makes your stomach turn as I think about my own daughters. And it's just so disturbing. We're against that, that is not okay. We're against people who are, uh, anyone who's using this kind of racism would be in that same category. We're against euthanasia. This is what we do as Christians we say, everybody is value. What happens when someone's at the end of their life and they're, uh, you know, they're, they can't move as well and they can't think and, and, and do things as well? We don't say, well, you know what? You, you kind of fell off the standard. What happens if someone has uh, mental retardation or something? I don't even know the official term now because it changes, but we d- that person's still valuable. It doesn't matter how smart you are, how much money you have, it doesn't matter what you look like. Every single person has unique and distinct value. And I bring that up because this is, the dis, this is the main driver for when Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who's a Christian, went back and he said, here's the basis of my argument. So if you hit the next thing, this is from the Birmingham jail. There are two types of law, just, just and unjust. Sorry, I typed this in. A just law is a man-made code that squares with the moral law or the law of God. An unjust law is a code that is out of harmony with the moral law. Any law that uplifts human personality is just. Any law that degrades human personality is unjust. There is no other ideology that says every single person has value. And without him being a Christian, he would never come to this conclusion. So where do we get to? We, biologically, so... Uh, we're all unique, and there's a uniqueness in not only the way that we talk and the way that our ears are shaped and the way that we have fingerprints, but there's also uniqueness in our skin color. If you'd look around, there's a uniqueness in skin color, right? We have, uh, well, where's this come from? How many sang this song? This is an old song. I'm not going to do well with it. It was the most confusing song to me as a child ever because I lived in Appleton, Wisconsin, so 99% of the song wasn't true. Um, Jesus loves the little children all the children of the world I started too high red and yellow black and white they are precious in his sight Jesus loves the little children of the world I think that's how it goes as a kid I had no idea I'm like mom who is red and who is yellow and what are we talking about here this makes no sense but what are we getting to there's a unique skin tone to every single person and even within families there's a unique skin tone And we get down to where does this come from? It comes from Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, and this is like uh, the Bible never ever, maybe I'll just take a pause. The Bible never ever distinguishes between people by the way that they look, ever. Like if you ever, there's, I mean, they say man and woman. That's the extent of it. But whenever it describes people of different ethnicities, it would say like they're from this culture or they're from this tribe or they're from this language every time, there's never a chance where they just say, and now all the white and the black people will come. It never says that, it never says the yellow people or the red people, it it never says anything like that. It just says, we are the human race. And so if you biologically, this is is maybe for the kids because adults maybe know this, but there is, it's better to use terms I think like ethnicity because there's only one race. And in Adam and Eve, they had this ability in their genes to not only determine the shape of all our ears, but in that, they had the, the full capacity to produce every single human being that we have. So how does this happen? This is the real question. How in the world does this happen that we get skin color? Now, I'll pause again because about two years ago, the, uh, I was writing about Noah. And I had to do a presentation. Is like um, five-minute devotions for Time of Grace. So I said, I'm going to do a series on Noah. This is going to be good. So I'm talking all about how long it was and how fascinating this was. And I get a letter, an email, not a letter. I get an email and a person says, just so you know, the curse of Ham is not against black people being slaves. And I'm like, what are you talking about? So this was a professor who would spend every year of his school year determining that this is not a true teaching. And I'm looking back and I have Mike in here. I'm disturbed. I'm like, Mike, watch this. So he watches the video, and he's like, you didn't say anything about that. So here's the extent of the story, and I'll tell you where this belief comes from. And this is an old one. So many, many years ago, to try and uh, justify slavery, they would say that uh, the curse of Ham, so Noah gets off the ark, right? There's eight people, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, those are his sons, and they, are, they have wives, and he plants a vineyard, and it says he got rip-roaring drunk and passed out in his tent without his clothes on, right? So he's there, and Ham comes, and, is, and starts making fun of him in some way. And some people have said there's some kind of sexual overtone to it, but we don't know that for sure. But Ham comes and starts making fun of him. He goes to tell his brothers like, hey, you gotta check out dad. They are so ashamed of this that they, you know the story, when they, they walk backwards with a cloak and they cover their dad, Noah wakes up and he is so angry, he curses Ham and says, you will always be subservient to your brothers. Okay, that's as far as it goes. And they become later the Canaanites. So the Canaanites, which was like the bane of the Israelites' existence for many, many years, people believed that when that happened, Ham became black, and because he said, you are going to be subservient to your brothers, they said, this is just like the passing of time and the curse of Ham is on all black people. Have you heard of anything more ridiculous? And did you know this, that Canaanites are not black? So like, does this make any sense at all? So anyway, so this is where this is going. So we have eight people, and it goes all the way. But before that, if we s- spill around, it gets down to the Tower of Babel or Babel. So sometimes we say we're babbling, so this is the Tower of Babel. And so all the nation is going, and God, uh, they start to build this tower to their own glory, and God says, I've got to separate the peoples. And if you know how the story goes, God separates their languages. So now we have one people. What would happen if we had one group of people always intermingling? Most people would start to look the same. Right? I mean, if you, like, you can tell people in different parts of the world in large, large areas. Um, can you tell the difference between me and someone who was born in China? Yes, right? And can you tell the difference between uh, me and someone who's born in Appleton, Wisconsin? We kind of look very, very similar. I mean, right? And so you start to get structure. So what happens when they spread out to people of the world, if you all stay in one thing, kind of the main dominant genes would show themselves. But when you go on to separate areas, some of these recessive genes get to express themselves, and then they show themselves again. This is not a great way to explain it. So I have an Answers in Genesis video that may or may, it's not going to play, but we'll just hit play anyway, and we'll go from there. Does it have any volume?
1: Supposed races of people who have evolved at different times, rates, and in different locations. That's not true. Of course, the word race is also a term we use to distinguish between groups with different physical traits, namely skin color. But are there really different races? Take a gander at Acts 17 26, where it is written that God, from one man, made every nation of men. It's clear then that the Bible teaches that there is one race, the human race. The Bible is also clear that all people on the earth, are descendants of Adam and Eve who were created by God. Check Genesis 1, through 28, easy enough. God created two people in his image, male and female, and told them to increase in number. So Adam and Eve are mom and dad of the human race. Then their children had children, and those children had children, and so on and so forth for many generations until, according to Genesis 6:9, the world's population was reduced to eight people who were protected inside an ark during a global flood. And those eight people later walked off the ark. And according to Genesis 9:19, 9, from them came the people who were scattered over the earth. Oh, wait a second. What do I mean scattered? Well, jump over to Genesis 11 and let's talk about an event known as the Tower of Babel. Basically because of the sinful actions of the descendants of Noah, The Lord confused their language and scattered them from there over all the earth. That's pretty clear and concise. Okay, so we've got lots of people who were descendants of the eight folks who came off the ark, and now they have been scattered all over the earth. That explains that we are still one race and that different groups of people ended up in different locations. But how do we get a bunch of different colored people if we are all one race? Well, follow along. This of course is a simplified explanation, but the basic principles are true. We all have a pigment in our bodies called melanin, which depending on different variables produces different shades of the one main skin color we all possess. Several genes control the amount of melanin produced and thus the variability in the skin shape. In fact, it's easy for one couple to produce a wide range of skin shape variability in just one generation, as we'll see in just a moment. Time for a quick genetics lesson. DNA is the molecule of heredity that is passed from parents to children. A child inherits 23 chromosomes from each parent. Each chromosome pair contains hundreds of genes, which regulate the physical development of the child. However, to illustrate basic genetic principles pertaining to the topic, we'll just talk about two genes, the genes that control the production of melanin. So let capital A and capital B symbolize versions of the gene that code for large amounts of melanin, while little a and little b code for small amounts. Got it? Easy. Check this out. Take a look at the upper left. Let's say dad contributes capital A, capital B genes, and mom contributes capital A, capital B genes as well. Together, they will produce a child with capital A, capital A, capital B, and capital B. This is a kid with a lot of melanin, and thus he will have very dark skin. Easy to see. Here's the bigger point, though. Let's say dad contributes capital A, capital B, and mom contributes little a and little b. Well, the child's skin will be middle brown shade. The combination of capital A, little a, and capital B, little b, which, by the way, represents a majority of the world's population. Not only that, but if each parent is capital A, little a, capital B, little b, the combinations that could be produced in their children could result in a very wide range of skin shades in just one generation. So. Since Adam and Eve were the first people ever, it makes sense to conclude that God placed in them a combination of genes that could produce all different shades of skin we see. Those same combinations would be present in Noah and the seven other people who boarded the ark. And because God dispersed people at the Tower of Babel, he dispersed the population, thereby isolating gene pools in the different people groups. Over time, different cultures formed in different locations with certain features like skin shade becoming predominant. And here we are today, and since we all go back to Noah and his family, it makes sense that we are all different shades of brown, one race, multiple people groups, just like the Bible teaches. Simplified for sure, but enough said. I hear this one a lot. How can there be
0: he talks as fast as I do.
1: <laughs>
0: Let's go all the way back to the beginning. From one nation, this is how the Bible talks about it. You've got to pull a different background up. Uh, from one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out the appointed the appointed times in history. This is the worst day ever. What is it? I am so sorry, and you are so patient. Uh, times in history, the boundaries of the land. So when the Bible describes it, it says God made all people that, and from one nation, they all inherit the earth. We go on. I'll just go from my sheets. You can just shut that off. We go back to the beginning you were all sons of god through faith in christ jesus this is in galatians you were all baptized into christ have clothed yourself with christ and this is this picture that we have and when you think about when john writes about the end of the world this is how he writes about it in revelation i saw a vast crowd too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language and i'll just read that one more time i saw a vast crowd this is in heaven too great to count from every nation tribe language and people god has this intention that he created you. He created you with uniqueness. He created you in the image of God so that you could have a relationship with him. If you try and find answers somewhere else, it's like finding answers where you can't find them. But in God, you can find this answer that you can have a relationship with him forever. And with this, while we're on this earth, we get to be reflectors of what it would be like to be that image of God and how the world sees God is through you. How the world sees what God looks like is how you function as an individual. How the world sees how God is just and how God loves and how God forgives and how God accepts is not just as individuals, but as a Christian community that has this actual idea that all people really have value. What would it look like if we truly were a reflection of what God is? Like there would be no broken marriages and all the kids would be loved and content. There'd be no abuse. There'd be no trafficking. There'd no, be like boardrooms wouldn't be fights. It would be people trying to encourage to help other people succeed. They, they, like all these, the internet, you wouldn't have to worry about filters. You wouldn't have to put locks on your door. You wouldn't have to worry about neighbors squabbling or talking behind your back because everyone is uplifting everyone. You wouldn't have to be worried about walking down the street there won't be any fear. You don't have to worry if your skin looks a little bit different that people are going to do something to you. You got a unique chance in this earth. I know you got a unique chance in this earth that God made you unique. Through the Holy Spirit on this Trinity Sunday, He worked in you, and through Christ, He has paid for your sins so that you can be a reflection of who God really is. That's a community I think I want to be part of. It's a community I think that we can work together to show the world. Next week, we're going to talk about something fairly difficult. We're going to talk about racism, where does this come from, and the look of it, kind of the depth of it, and from a biblical biblical perspective, how do we handle this moving forward. And eventually, we'll get to answers. I don't think I have all the answers. I talked to my friend. He lives in Florida. And he goes, well, I'm glad that he's black. I said, I'm glad you're talking about race and what the Bible has to say about it. And it comes down to the human condition of sin. He understands that. He's a Christian. But he goes, just don't pretend you have all the answers, and I don't think we can, right? But at least we can talk about it, and at least we can start moving a little bit forward as a Christian community. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are so thankful that you still give us a chance to get together. Uh, You give us a chance that uh, in these difficult times, uh, times that go up and down, times that are frustrating, times that we see people on very differing views, But we also see this in our community people have felt um, oppressed for many many years and sometimes we've turned a blind eye Uh, we've turned a blind eye to uh, loving and reaching out to people we have not been reflectors of your love we have not been reflectors of your justice we haven't been reflectors of your acceptance as a society but ultimately it comes down to my own heart the sinful condition we and i haven't done this personally so to that we confess our sins to you and we long for the day that we will be uh, through the holy spirit getting closer and closer to reflection of who you look like so when the world looks at us they see how god functions they see jesus we ask this in your name amen uh there's no offering today so we're going to and there's no prayer requests so we got to figure a way to do that you're going to maybe text them before church to me that would work Um, and i'll I'll shoot some information about that we're learning through this so thanks for doing that so we're going to since we just prayed well, we'll join together in the lord's prayer and we'll f- conclude with a blessing and as the final song is going you can stay and you can sing or you can exit we were thinking about systematic exiting uh we only have one rule not to congregate in the con- common areas try and have some spacing but you can go out any of the doors uh on this sunday and we got a couple announcements just after that so uh we pray our father who art in heaven Uh, brothers and sisters, go in peace, live in harmony with one another, and serve the Lord with gladness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Well, will let you play the final song. just two announcements while this is just getting ready to go in the background. Um, uh, Number one is we do have our Bible basics online, so some of you have participated in that, really appreciate it. The big kickoff really is in June, so June, July, and then we have a new member Sunday in August, so that's available. You can talk through me. And then also our Sunday morning Zoom Bible class going to be moved we're going to try it on wednesday evening and see if that works out for everyone i know that's a little bit tricky so we'd love to have everyone uh, take part in that if you're interested you could just text i think it's class to our usual um, number you'll see it in the e-letter as well we'll send the e-letter out early this week